0: Welcome to the learning to slay the beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome like anxiety, health and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. Veganism is becoming more and more popular in our society for health, environmental, ethical, and other reasons. I enjoy a lot of vegan recipes and understand that being vegan can be helpful in reducing inflammation. Since I'm already dairy-free and my daughter has allergies, we've learned to lean on a lot of vegan recipes, especially for baking. I've also gone through many periods of being both a vegetarian and vegan since my teenage years. This is why I'm excited to speak this week to Kathy Davis, author and CEO of plant-based lifestyle company veg-inspired. Kathy helps clients to transition to a vegan lifestyle as a coach and shares her delicious vegan recipes with the world. We get into some of the motivations for being vegan, Kathy's story about switching to a vegan diet, some of the specific things that she eats every single day, and some of the go-to recipes that she loves, as well her cookbooks. I hope you enjoy this interview with Kathy are you looking for a way to satisfy your sweet tooth without the filler try monk pack they make keto granola bars and keto seed and nut bars as well as protein cookies they come in plenty of flavors like the almond butter cocoa chip keto granola bar and the caramel sea salt keto nut and seed bar they're great tasting. They're plant based, gluten free, low sugar, non GMO, and no sugar alcohols. You can just enjoy these freely. You can go ahead and visit Monk Pack. Monk is spelled M U N K P A C K dot com. And in order to get a special discount, you can use my discount code real life 15 all one word to get 15% off your order. Visit monkpack.com today to try all of these amazing low sugar products. So welcome Kathy to the podcast. I'm happy to connect with you today. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm really happy to be here. Me too. So why don't we start with you providing a little bit about your background?
1: Absolutely. I grew up in a you no know, standard. I call it the standard American household. My my parents both worked. I ate pretty normal foods. Lots of spaghetti, tacos. That you know, potatoes, meat dishes. I was. I went to school. I went to college. I had my master's degree in education, so I'm a I'm a former school teacher, and I you know I always say like I I kind of lived. Pretty much what people say is the American dream, right? Got my jobs out of college, met my husband, got married. I guess it wasn't my husband when I met him, but we eventually <laughs> got married. And, you know, all things going well along the path. And I would say about eight years ago, I he actually introduced me to eating plant based. And that was so foreign to me. Growing up in a house where we ate a lot of meat, we ate a lot of dairy, we ate a lot of we didn't eat a lot of variety of vegetables. Mm -hmm. And I was pretty resistant to the whole idea of this plant based or vegan or eat more plants way of eating that he was suggesting.
0: Interesting. Okay. And so was there a reason that he had started to move towards this way or like a health motivation or anything like that? Or was it just like a personal interest?
1: We didn't have any medical conditions ourselves that we were diagnosed with at the time, but we had family history of, you know, I always call them, again, the standard American diseases. And at the time he had read a couple of contradictory articles and was like, I really need to figure out what healthy really is. And mm. we had at the, at the time had been pretty interested in the more whole food approach as far as cleaner foods, you know, buying local, buying organic. We went to a lot of farmers markets and it really seemed to evolve into this desire for education on what would be the healthiest way to live? What would help us live these lives of vitality and energy and longevity? And the more information we read, the more plant-based meals started showing up. And I was still pretty resistant, I have to say.
0: Mm-hmm. So you kind of started like, okay, we'll transition maybe a couple meals a week. Um and, and add in where you could. I mean, a lot of people do things like the meatless Monday, stuff like that. Um, and then, so what kind of pushed you over the edge in terms of saying, you know what, I'm ready to, you know, commit yourself to to being vegan, but then, then even go as far as to helping others to transition to the lifestyle? I, I love
1: that question because it took me about eight months. It was about eight months of trying different recipes, trying mac and cheese made with a queso-ish recipe from butternut squash or, you know, trying tacos that used potatoes as the filling, not meat. Um, And the more plant-based options that I tried, the more I learned about this way of eating, the more I allowed myself to accept it as an option. And in the beginning, we were really focused on just eating more plants. That was our motto, eat more plants, eat more plants, eat more plants. And the more plants we ate, and the more we kind of crowded out the animal products or did away with them altogether, the more I allowed myself to look at some of the not so fun videos on animal agriculture. And the, the real pivot moment, I was actually standing at a friend's house. Her family raised uh, animals for, for food. And one of the cows had just had a baby cow. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know that cow's fate. I can't eat animals anymore. And it was that after eight months of trying and testing the recipes and learning the information and, you know, immersing myself in it, it was that one pivotal moment, that one true life connection. And I, I said, I can't eat animal products anymore. And I've been vegan ever since. Um, My real focus on helping other people came because it took me so long to learn a lot of the information because I had to go to all these different places. And I wanted to create Veg Inspired to be a place where people could go for one place for all the resources, the information on the benefits, the information on recipes, how to make your favorite recipes vegan. And that has really evolved that helping others transition has really evolved as I've even learned more about this way of eating.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I can see, you know, definitely if your husband's on board, that's helpful. You know, times that I've either been vegetarian or vegan or, or tried different um, things, it can be a real challenge when you then try to do a family dinner and everybody's wanting something different. <laughs> so that's probably really helpful. And then, you know, I kind of, the way that you talked about moving into the, the vegan world over a period and sort of getting exposed, I would say is very similar to how I transitioned to a gluten and dairy free diet is that, you know, I had tried gluten free a few times I had like, and then kind of come back and, um, and then it was like, I sort of hit this point where I like, was just like, no, like health wise, I need to really do this. And it was like, I sort of had that groundwork and I can see that that probably helped you. Like you knew recipes at that point, you knew things that you could, um, rely on. So that makes a lot of sense.
1: Definitely. And I think the other realization too, and you probably noticed this as you transition, is you started to realize it wasn't as scary, as hard, Mm -hmm. or as whatever thing we think it might be. We start to realize it isn't that, that it's actually different. Maybe there's Mm -hmm. more variety. Maybe it's easier than you think. Yeah. But you don't really know until you try.
0: Yeah, you know, and everybody sort of focuses on the what's going to be hard when they transition their diet instead of the yeah, what what do I already know? What do I already like? Like what's already available to me? That's easy, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's huge. Actually, even my son and I were on a call with one of his healthcare practitioners today, and he's been gluten free for, you know, five years and um, dairy free as well. And and she said, Oh, you know, is that really tough? And he was like, no. Like, because he's been doing it for so long, it was just so funny to hear, you know, as an 11 year old, he's like, no, it's easy. Like, why? (laughs) Why would it be hard? (laughs) So I'm sure you get vegans saying that as well. Like, well, this isn't hard. It's not like rocket science. You just eat something different, right? (laughs) Yes. That's great. And it does seem like plant-based living is really taking the world by storm. I see so many amazing recipes on Instagram and and things like that. Um, and, and a lot more in terms of what's available, even prepared food wise and stuff like that, like everybody's coming out with lines of vegan food. And you know, you can get pretty much like anything that you could think of. Why do you think it's becoming so popular? And what do you think are some of the benefits that vegans are really enjoying from this lifestyle?
1: I think really, it's starting to become so popular, because one, I think the the food, the the food companies, the companies are realizing the demand for Mm. vegan products. I think that's one piece. I also think that there has become a shift in the labeling. So products that we as vegans knew were vegan are now Mm. actually being labeled as such. And I think, you know, with so many allergies and people, you know, trying to take control of their health, change what they eat, the companies know that they need to start appealing to the different allergies and illnesses and just the overall demand for our knowledge of what's in products. And I think that's one major reason that it's, it's really starting to populate in places that you might not have thought. Like you can get I'm not saying it's healthy but you can get a whopper that's made with the impossible burger at mm-hmm. burger king i mean that makes this pretty mainstream yeah and um as far as the benefits that people see i mean animal products are so loaded with cholesterol and high fat and they just do so much damage to our you know, our the endothelial linings of our cells and blood vessels, and, and really to our bodies in general, that I think people are starting to pivot towards this more healthy option. And vegan food tends to be thought of as a healthy option. Um, mm-hmm. I tend to steer more toward a, a whole food plant based version of veganism, mm-hmm. because those foods make me feel the best. And that was something I was going to ask you when you were talking about eating gluten free, like it seems like it's easier to go back to the the dietary change when we recognize how good our bodies can feel when we eat the foods that make us feel good yeah I, I'm sure when you were, were eating less gluten you were probably like wow I, I feel I feel lighter I feel cleaner I feel just mm-hmm. this overall sense of wellness and I think as people start to experience that, They want to shift more towards the plant-based options. They want to shift more towards the whole foods, the ancient grains, things that they might have had, you know, they might have never had or things that they've heard are healthy. And now they're looking them up and trying to figure out ways that they can incorporate them into their meals.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and for sure, like that is what keeps me um dairy-free as well. It's just the the health benefits for sure. Um and so I guess one of the things I'm thinking is yes, there's definitely all of the health benefits. Um and then the ethical ones as well are you seeing people thinking like along the lines of climate change and and things like that i know that's a big argument that i see in terms of being vegan or vegetarian
1: i do i do see that as a huge as a huge push for people is you know reducing their carbon footprint by choosing either they opt more for a flexitarian way of eating opt more mm-hmm. for that local local vor, I think they call it, where they eat things that are locally produced. And I think when you're doing that, you're starting to eat more seasonal seasonally. And you're starting to eat things that are from your backyard and you're not ordering and you're not, you know, you're not buying these foods that are shipped in from all over. And so our choices are different in that instance. And I think that, you know, the the benefit for climate change, the the ethical benefit, the ocean benefit. I mean the, there's so much talk now about fishless oceans because of the negative, the negative effects of, of fishing, of commercialized fishing and having, having a dietary change that makes us feel good, our bodies, our wellness, and then makes our heart feel good because we are making an impact on the future, right? The, the children of the future will have maybe a a better earth, better oceans, and really taking that into consideration allows a lot of people to do it out of out of that aspect and really start mm-hmm. to look at ways that they can reduce their overall impact and overall footprint on the
0: world. I love that you bring up the flexitarian piece as well. And I guess like, that's one thing. Do you think that the health benefits are there? You know, even if you're swapping out half of your meat Per like, you know, you can definitely say that there would be a climate change savings and things like that. But do you have you seen any clients that have um, kind of done that the halfway approach and seen benefit?
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, the only way to really define true health would be like blood panels. And I don't get that deep into the work with my clients. But speaking mm-hmm. from my own experience, I am, as I said, I've been vegan for eight years. But two years ago, I really shifted the way that I eat to a more whole food plant-based approach where my day-to-day habits are whole food plant-based. And I've noticed a significant benefit from both a weight management standpoint. I mean, I, I lost o- over 40 pounds eating this way. Um, but but really the benefits far outweigh that. I always tell people like, that's what you can see physically, but what you can't see is the energy. I mean, I'm a, you know, international business owner. I travel full time in an RV. Like I am, I am busy. I am active. And two years ago, I wouldn't have had the energy to be able to do the things that I'm doing, to be able to work and follow this passion and put the, the energy and the, the, the drive into it because I was eating so many processed vegan foods and Mm -hmm. people always say to me, well, I don't know that I want to be perfect. And my response is, well, I'm not perfect. My daily habits are focused on whole plant foods. That doesn't mean I'm not gonna go out and get a vegan pizza or I'm not gonna support a local vegan restaurant. It just means that day in and day out, I choose foods that leave me with that nourishing, energizing, ready to take on the world kind of energy and motivation and just overall joy and wellness that I didn't have two years ago. And so I always say, you know, I think the you know, the plant-based doctors, their research might say, absolutely not. If you, if you can't go a hundred percent, then I don't know what the benefits are, but, but honestly, like if it makes you feel good, you'll probably do more of it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. right. We always go either, we always do things to either reduce pain or increase pleasure. And if you find that you're eating meatless Mondays and Monday nights, you sleep really well, you're like, huh, I didn't even think about that. Or Tuesday, you don't wake up with a stomach ache. Or Tuesday morning, you don't wake up with joint pain. Or, you know, you start to eat more plant-based. You start to just add more plants to all your meals. You add more greens. You eat more berries. And you start to think, huh, things are different. Or maybe you go dairy-free and you're like, wow, I didn't know I could feel this good. And I Mm -hmm. find that when I have clients that say those words to me, I didn't know I could feel this good, they may not have to be perfect, but they're starting to notice the benefits and that outweighs the desire to eat foods that don't align with their goals. And that's really where it starts, right? We want to, what's our goal? To feel better, to take control of our health, to, you know, food fuels your mood. I mean, my overall happiness towards life in general just you know, I get excited about colorful meals. I get excited and I feel energized after eating potatoes. And it's just, it's interesting how much of an effect food can have on our sleep, our our digestion. I mean, that seems kind of common, but a lot of times you'll be diagnosed with something and you don't realize it's the food that's causing the the issue, like what you're seeing and what you're fixing is a symptom of a bigger issue. And just my overall happiness, like all of that have have changed tremendously from sticking with a whole food plant based way of eating most of the time. So I
0: think my experience, yeah, you don't have to be perfect. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's interesting. And, you know, you mentioned like some of the foods and I'm just thinking one of the things that I always run up against, like I have done periods where I've been vegan or um, vegetarian. I I haven't eaten red or red meat or pork since I was like 15. It's just um, I just don't. And um, so one of the things I run into, though, is when I focus on fitness, everything's like protein, protein, protein. And then, you know, you see things like the keto diet where it's like so focused on meat. How do you find getting that balance in terms of a really strong protein at every meal? Like what are some of the tips that you use to work in that, that protein balance?
1: Absolutely. So I love adding beans to my smoothie. I know you're probably like, "Ew, that sounds gross, but start with a tablespoon of white beans, mild, you know, great Northern beans, cannellini beans, Something mild and simple. I, I, you could probably do black beans if you were doing like a cocoa smoothie, kind of like the blackberry and brownies, but I've never tried that. I've always used white beans because I usually use do like a banana strawberry smoothie. And so the black beans would make it a different color. And that weirds me out. Um, <laughs> and then some some things that I like to recommend for protein are edamame because a lot of people are like, I can't go vegan because I don't want to eat tofu. But they love to snack on the edamame at the Asian restaurants with a little bit of sea salt and a little bit of soy sauce. So edamame is a good snack. Um, you can also get the, already pot, uh, the edamame that's out of its pod. And you can put that on salads. You can put that on bowls. I love chickpeas. So I always recommend hummus or some kind of bean dip as a snack, or you can add that to a Buddha bowl. You can make avocado toast, but include a smear of hummus to add in that protein. You can use lentils in place of ground meat. You can also use quinoa. I was just talking to a client today and uh, his partner doesn't like beans and he's very concerned about them getting enough protein. And I said, said, why don't you start with quinoa? Because quinoa has a lot of protein. It's a seed. It's a seed. So it gives you that it's small in the way that it cooks up. It gives you that texture of meat. And he added the quinoa to his chili, beanless chili, and said it was amazing. Like the texture was spot on to as if he had added ground meat. And I was like, that's brilliant. I mean, I've probably thought of that, but I usually add lentils or beans and I don't even think about what you would do without the bean. But in that instance, it worked really well. And I do recommend nuts. But what I found following um, more of that whole food plant-based and more of the low fat way of eating is that nuts cause me to um, they affect my weight management. And so I really limit my nuts to, you know, the recommended serving from Dr. Greger, who does the daily dozen, um, no more than a fourth of a cup and usually walnuts because they pack in the best, the best ratio of omega threes to omega six fatty acids, which, you know, when you start to get into this, you start to look at all the, all the different nutritional lines and all the different nutritional things. And you just start to learn the different balances and the different foods that you want to try and eat every day. And the Daily Dozen is a great recommendation, a great guideline. I tell people you might not stick to it the whole day, every day, but gosh, what a way to check, check off the vegetables and the beans and the servings of food and really feel like you're, you know, you've taken control of of something. It gives you something to check off as a guide.
0: Okay, sorry. And that's who, who came up with the Daily Dozen?
1: Dr. Greger okay. of Nutrition Facts, and he also wrote the book "How Not to Die" and "How Not to Diet." He's one of the one of the main sources that I use with my clients in my coaching program, along with Dr. McDougall, who wrote the Starch Solution. Those are like the two primary people that I I re- refer people to okay. use as resources.
0: No, that sounds like a great one. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned the weight management around the nuts. And I always find that with and and maybe eventually it, it evens out, but in adding in all of the beans and quinoa and like things like that, right? Like, just because I'm typically eating, you know, chicken and salad greens. And so then it it is carb heavy in comparison, I guess. Um, so maybe does you find that over time, it starts to even itself out?
1: Honestly, so this is going to probably shock you and might shock your audience. I follow a high carb diet. So 80% of my calories from come from potatoes, brown rice, beans, starchy vegetables. And then half of my plate is usually salad greens, non starchy vegetables. But The thing that I take out that is usually the most controversial is oil. So I don't eat oil because it's a highly processed ingredient. And following the high carb, low fat way of eating is how I lost 40 pounds in six months. So it's usually yeah, which the which is
0: totally different than like the keto rage that we've all been hearing for a couple of years
1: now. <laughs> it is. It's like the polar opposite. And it's yeah. always one of the things that people are like, wait, you did what? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, when you take the oil out, right. you're you don't have the fat. And so your body obviously has to have starch starches in order to run. Like that's how the energy is. That's how it's what's converted to energy are those starches those long chain start, uh, starches and the short chain ones. So you really do have to have them, but we are so, I, I mean, I was the person that, I mean, when we first started eating this way, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to measure out the starch because I can't eat. I mean, it was just, it just was not functional for me to think that I could eat that way. And I really had to change my mindset around food Mm. and it was scary at first. I mean, I, I, eventually i went all in and was shocked at how i felt i mean that was the thing i just i never knew how bad i felt eating those high fat foods mm-hmm. i just didn't realize how much it affected my my memory my cognition my energy i just didn't i didn't know and i sh- i feel like you know studying it for 8 years or you know plant based eating for 8 years and reading all the books like i should have known But it didn't matter how many times it was told to me, I didn't know until I tried. And that was when I was like, oh, wow, this really does work. And I love eating this way.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Who doesn't love
1: potatoes, right?
0: Yeah, well, I know. Um, So I wonder if maybe you could walk us through even like, you know, an example day. So, like, You know breakfast are you kind of typically eating like an oatmeal or like what are some of the things that you find um are really satiating and and fit well i i would love to um i love doing what i eat in a day
1: videos and instagram posts i just love i love sharing that and i think it's i think it's fun for other people to share too what they eat right because then we can all learn from each other um I typically start my day with some green tea and a cup of coffee. I did not give up my coffee. Um, And then probably about two hours after I get up, I really follow an intuitive way of eating. So I eat when I'm hungry and I eat foods that are going to satiate me. And one of the big things I learned was, as you said, like the satiation. Once I started eating foods that satiated me, I would say after probably the second and third week, maybe even maybe even a month, I stopped snacking as much. I found myself to be a super, I was like a super snacker. I loved snacking. I would snack all day. I would graze all day. Even after eating a meal, I would still graze. And so now eating these more satiating foods, I find that I'm not doing that. I'm not called to snack. So I start my day typically with a oatmeal bowl. I like to do my oats soaked in non-dairy milk for about 30 minutes with some frozen blueberries. That's my favorite combination is just old fashioned rolled oats. I usually do about half a cup of oats, half a cup of non-dairy milk, maybe a little more. I use soy milk unsweetened. Um, And I like to just cover the oats and then they start to absorb and they get nice and chewy, but not, they're not mushy and they're not Crunchy. They're like in between because they've sat for 30 or 45 minutes. I add in the frozen blueberries, some maple syrup, usually some cinnamon and cardamom and always uh, between one and between a teaspoon and a tablespoon, usually like a heaping teaspoon, like the spoon I'll eat with of ground flax. So I try to eat that every day for breakfast. And because I work from home, I I don't think we even talked about this, but I travel full time in an RV and I work from home and I don't have a commute. So I really have to be mindful of what I'm doing because I tend to get my oats and sit right back at the computer. So I I usually take about 15 minutes to kind of eat my breakfast. And then, you know, a few hours later, we typically have our leftovers from the night before. For lunch. So today we had leftover uh, Moroccan lentil soup. It's made with veggies and uh, orzo and chickpeas. It's very delicious. It makes a really good amount, usually four servings. So or four servings for us. And so we can eat that for lunch, it has lots of vegetables. So it gives us, you know, the veggies that we want for our serving of veg- servings of vegetables, but also packs in the the energy for the remaining part of the day with the orzo and the chickpeas, and then for dinner we typically make we'll typically cook together my husband and I, and we might make tacos. We love tacos, so we have loads of variations of tacos that we'll do. We might do a noodle bowl with lots of vegetables. We might do something really simple like a baked potato with maybe salsa and black beans on it and a nice big side salad. We typically eat a fairly decent sized side salad every day for dinner and usually double up on any vegetables. So that usually gets us four servings of vegetables just for that. And then we'll have maybe, one of my favorite meals is, uh, sweet potatoes, you cut them in half. You roast them in the oven for 15 minutes on 400 degrees. And then ha- right after the 15 minutes, you add in broccoli and cauliflower florets and a can of drained and rinsed chickpeas or black beans. You could do one or the other. Yes, I'm actually roasting the be- the beans. You put them all in and you bake them. You continue to bake them or roast them for another um usually 30 minutes or so. Kind of keep an eye on the broccoli and the cauliflower. You don't want that to burn. And you want your potatoes to cook you know, perfectly. So a knife slides in and out, but they're halved, so they won't take the full, you know, hour or whatever that it could take, um, depending on their size. And then I like to drizzle on organic barbecue sauce. And I always say organic because a lot of times the non-organic ones have high fructose corn syrup. And I tend to steer clear of that and go more towards, if, if it has cane sugar, that's okay with me. Um, I don't, I would rather eat sugar-free option. But if it's for convenience, I will go ahead and do an organic barbecue sauce. And I just, that's one of my favorite meals. And the the beans get like this nice chewy texture and they don't get crispy or crunchy, like, you know, fully roasted. They're just like this perfect texture. And it, it really adds some, some nice, you know, delight and mouthfeel to just a potato and veggies.
0: Yeah. Wow. That all sounds really good. Do you do like an oil on that as well? Or is that part of the lower fat? You don't, you wouldn't use like an oil on the the roasted vegetables.
1: I don't, I don't do, I don't roast my vegetables with any oils. You can toss them in a little vegetable broth. You can uh, toss them in a little aquafaba if you wanted to do, you know, some seasonings. I typically just do a little salt and pepper. Um, The salt helps to pull out any water from the vegetables to keep Mm. them nice and crisp, tender. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't roast or saute with oil. And actually we haven't been cooking with oil probably for a good seven years of our vegan way of eating anyway. So that wasn't something that we switched to two years ago. Most of our recipes are, don't cook with oil.
0: Mm, okay. Um, so when you're we, doing, yeah, like tacos or you're stir frying and stuff, you're not using an oil.
1: Correct. We just use either what we either either heat the pan really hot so that they sizzle and then you use water to prevent them from burning or you can sweat them where you put the water in the pit. You put the veggies in the water in the pan, a couple tablespoons and then cover them. And then that allows them to soften without having to use oil and they won't burn because the water is not evaporating. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. yeah, no, that makes makes a lot of sense. And yeah, it all sounds super yummy. Do you love the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast? Well, first of all, thank you so much. Second of all, if you love the podcast and you want more and more to keep coming, I would love your support through Kofi.com. Kofi.com is a way that you can put a little money towards your favorite podcast. It can be as little as a few dollars one time, Bunch of times, whatever you feel that you can give, and it helps to cover all the costs that go associated with podcasting. So, if you would like to support this podcast, please consider donating through Kofi.com. You can find the link in my Instagram feed under Linktree. It's at Sarah Lady Gluten, or you can visit Kofi. K O hyphen fi.com slash learning to slay the beasts. I appreciate your support, whether you can give or not. Thanks so much for listening. So I guess I'm thinking, you know, you're probably getting people super interested now in how they could maybe move over to this vegan lifestyle. What are some of your best tips for moving into a plant-based life?
1: I always say crowd out crowd out the animal products with more vegetables. You know, take an audit of what you're already, take an audit of what you're already eating that's plant-based. Identify the foods that you love. If you love sweet potatoes, add more sweet potatoes. If you love broccoli, Make a second serving of broccoli. Maybe you do broccoli that's roasted, like I just described. And then the next part of the serving of broccoli, you make into a salad. I love broccoli with like a maple mustard dressing. The pear is just perfect. So maybe you do broccoli with chickpeas and maple mustard as a cold salad, but you also serve that same meal with roasted broccoli. Or maybe you roast the, you do the broccoli salad and you do cauliflower roasted. Like really think about ways that you can add in another Food that you love. Love potatoes. have boil some potatoes and make them a snack. Add them to a the salad. Really start to think about ways that you can just eat more plants. And as you start to do that, you'll start to recognize, you know, easy ways that you can modify certain recipes. So, I would say, you know, maybe it's switching out your products for a dairy-free product, or maybe it's, you know, looking for a favorite recipe that you love and how you can put a spin on it to make it plant-based. Is that, you know, buffalo cauliflower wings instead of buffalo chicken wings? Or can you do, you know, burrito bowls, Chipotle style without the meat? Could you do it with tofu? Could you do it with tempeh? Could you do it with seitan, which is a gluten-based, so that wouldn't be good for you for for our gluten-free followers, but seitan is a gluten-based vegan product. And I do a lot of times recommend to people, you know, especially people with allergies, I get, oh, well, I'm allergic to soy and every vegan product seems to have soy or, oh, I'm I'm gluten-free and everything seems to use vital wheat gluten. How am I going to go plant-based? And one of the things that I found is that by incorporating more of the whole plant foods, you don't have to read labels, right? You need to make sure that there's not cross-contamination if you have an, you know, an illness but if it's if you're if it doesn't have to be gluten free, it could have some contamination because that sometimes happens made on the same equipment or whatever. Um, yeah. There's so many options for, you know, hummus, hummus wraps. You maybe you do a wrap and instead of instead of always having a salad, maybe you get a, a a wrap or a tortilla that you really like, and you spread some hummus on it and you put your salad inside the wrap. I had a client that was like, ah, oh, That's brilliant. I never thought to do it as like a salad wrap with hummus. Now I don't have to chomp away on a salad every day at lunch. I can just make a salad wrap. And it really starts to give you some variety and some ways that you can easily eat more plants without having to overhaul the whole system.
0: Yeah and that is also pretty similar to when you're transitioning to a gluten-free diet that it is easier to like focus on the whole foods because you know like a tomato is gluten-free right like it's <laughs> yeah it's, it's it is easier so i can totally see that that is a really helpful tip and i'm just i'm still back i mean we've just heard so much about adding in the fats and so like when you're having say a potato as a snack, are you putting anything on that? Are you doing like a plant-based butter or do you just salt and pepper things or are you using maybe like a salsa?
1: Uh, Typically. So that's been a snack that we've actually been eating a lot of Are small, those little small red potatoes that you Mm -hmm. can just boil and we'll salt the water so that they're a little bit salty, but then I don't love hot sauce so that's not my go-to grab but my husband puts hot sauce on them but sometimes I'll put ketchup on them or whole grain mustard has okay. been one of my favorite things to put on a potato. And I didn't think it would be. I was very skeptical at first but I found that it's really really good. And then something else if I'm if I'm making a baked potato, I will add in a whole fat like If I do a baked potato, I might do, um, you know, some avocado on it. Mm -hmm. So I've gone to some restaurants and been like, okay, if you do, obviously you don't have a vegan butter, can we just put, you know, avocado or guacamole on the potato? And it's so good because it adds, you know, the avocado, of course, it's a high fat, the high yeah. fat whole food, but it's the whole fat. So it has the fiber. It has all the nutrients intact. Whereas if you drizzle on oil or even use the vegan butters, I mean, most of those are just the fat extracted. And so this mm-hmm. still gives you the fiber, the nutrients, the, the density, the the satiation as well. And who doesn't love a good avocado? Like throw that on your on your mm-hmm. potato or throw that on your rice bowl or your tacos in place of cheese. And um, I've mm-hmm. also even gone as far as getting a cheese getting a cheeseless pizza veggie pizza and getting it home and chopping up dicing up avocado and sprinkling it on and it really gives it that luxury without the cheese and it's it's just Mm -hmm. a fun it like brightens the meal a little bit so
0: yeah we've done a lot of we've just get like a gluten-free pizza with no cheese like if the place doesn't offer a Vegan cheese, um, and and it's pretty good, even even just that way. Like I've eaten those many times; it's still a treat. (laughs) Definitely, (laughs) and I didn't have to make it, so. (laughs) Yes, and I know you mentioned one of your dressings was like a maple mustard. So again, is that sort of like an oil free? That's just like mixing a bit of maple syrup and mustard. This whole grain mustard.
1: It is. I can actually read it to you. That's from one of my cookbooks. Let me pull that up. I love to. I love to share the recipes because I talk about them and then. People are like, well, you didn't tell me how to make it. So this tip makes about a half a cup. It's our maple mustard dressing from the Super Easy Plant-Based Cookbook. And it is four tablespoons of either spicy brown, Dijon, or whole grain mustard, depending on your preference. I choose not to use yellow mustard because I think it doesn't have as much depth of flavor. But if you love yellow mustard, try it with yellow mustard. Uh, Four tablespoons of maple syrup. Two teaspoons of seasoned rice vinegar. And then an optional two teaspoons of tahini. And what the tahini does is tahini is made from sesames and the tahini really gives it that because tahini thickens when it's in um, it added to like a liquid. It really gives it this nice consistency that allows it to stick to broccoli and salads and makes it a good dipper for like if you did roasted cauliflower, you could dip it in there like you were you know making wings or something.
0: Yeah, I've done and I've used tahini in making like different styles of kale chips um, Mm -hmm. as kind of like the sauce on there when you're like baking them and it it is quite good. That sounds great. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about your books? I know you've got a number of them and, and their focus like for each one.
1: Awesome. Well, that one that I just mentioned, the super easy plant-based cookbook, it's actually my second cookbook, but since I just talked about it, we'll start there. It is um, a conglomeration of plant-based recipes that meet one of four categories. So the recipe either falls in a five-ingredient category, a one-pot category, a no-cook category, and a 30-minute meals category. And I always say that this book is perfect for the beginner that needs easy meals, because there is a section on some some of those like snacks and um, like, like staple recipes. And then there's some desserts. But for the most part, it is, you know, all of the meal type recipes. So it's going to be your breakfast, your lunches, your dinners, your soups they are all going to be kind of mixed into one of those four categories. Um, my first book is the 30-minute whole food plant-based cookbook. And that one is oil-free, salt-free, and refined sugar-free. So that all the recipes in there are ready in 30 minutes. They range from appetizers to soups, to handhelds, they all have their own chapter. And that really, somebody said to them, it's like their, to me, that it was like their go-to cookbook because it really hit every type of recipe you'd want. Appetizers, snacks, um, soups, you know, we're getting into soup season. Uh, There's entrees, desserts. Yes, there's, there are whole food plant-based desserts. The tiramisu is my favorite. I can actually send you the link to that one because that one's online. And then the third one is the budget-friendly plant-based diet cookbook. And that one's focus is budget. It is all about how to eat plant-based on a budget. And we actually took, um, when writing the book, I consulted different grocery stores across the country. Now, again, this is based in when it was published at the beginning of 2021. I know prices are kind of getting wild in some areas. So, um, But we took the prices all over the country and compared them and then wrote an actual three-week meal plan that gets you the recipes in under 30 and under $50. So sir, you know, feeds a serving in under $50. It's amazing. It's so fun. It was so fun to write the meal plan for that and then test it and then test it again and you know go to the grocery store buying the ingredients and really see, you know, that come to life. So that was fun. And I always tell people it's like The books really, really uh, bust the myths of plant-based living because they are, you know, the 30 minutes busts the time myth, right? I can get it done in 30 minutes. The super easy busts the difficulty myth because they're super easy. And the budget-friendly busts the expensive myth because they're all budget-friendly recipes. And there's so many, I know that you're like probably like, oh, what 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 book is your favorite? And I my heart really is like, it's like having children. Like, how do you pick your favorite? But the the day that I received the 30-minute whole food plant-based book, that was the first one I ever wrote. It was like I'd given birth to a baby, like to hold it in my hands was just amazing. And it really has a lot of my favorite recipes in it. Um, But then there's an, um, you know, amazing chickpea salad recipes, um, really, really inexpensive bowl type recipes, different, you know, stir fries in the budget friendly book that are fun. And then my, my recipe in the super easy, that maple mustard's one of them. But also we have this chickpea el pastor tacos and they are it's chickpeas and pineapple roasted in the oven with some onions and then tossed in this amazing spice blend and served with a pineapple salsa and it is so good and it's so easy it's a sheet pan meal and it comes together really quick and most of those ingredients you can have in your pantry
0: oh yeah those sound really good awesome no i think you're right like those really do bust some of the myths because yeah i always hear like oh it's so expensive and like things like that even being dairy free, you know, when you do look at some of the costs of some of the alternatives and things like that, it's like, oh, it does kind of add up. So I like the focus, and also on the less ingredients. I find there's nothing worse at times when I get a recipe, and I'm like, oh, that looks really good, and I think I can make it, and then I open up, and it's like got like 30 things in it that you know I don't have, so <laughs> it gets frustrating. So I like the the focus on the lower number of ingredients as well, um, and of course the whole foods. Yeah, it all sounds awesome. That sounds great. Um, Given that we have the holidays coming up, I'm sure that is kind of a struggle for some people. So maybe they're newly into the vegan lifestyle and all of a sudden it's like, oh, We're going to have the holidays and people expect a bird or, you know, um, things like that to be served. Do you have any favorites that you find really hit that sort of comfort food that people are looking for at the holidays? Or maybe if you're having guests over something that's great to serve them, that's, you know, maybe different than what they've tried, but still fits that lifestyle? Absolutely.
1: So Thanksgiving is our favorite holiday pre-vegan, we always hosted uh, Thanksgiving dinner with all of our friends that maybe couldn't travel home for the holidays. So we wanted to spend that together. We love to cook. So we hosted and our recipes really started to become like the thing that everybody wanted us to bring. And some of the tips that I have are, you know, it's because there's so many vegan alternatives, it is fairly easy now to, you know, replace the the butter in your recipe with vegan butter Or, you know, use vegetable broth instead of turkey stock in, you know, your stuffing or your dressing, I suppose, if it's not in the bird. And then, um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but like things that I like for comfort food, I love to roast squash and then make a really delicious filling. We have one, a stuffed acorn squash on veginspired.com and we stuff it with, you know, a lot of the same things that you would put in the dressing And lentils. And we usually use like whole, uh, it's a, it's bulgur, it's the grain. But if you're gluten free, because it's a wheat grain, if you're gluten free, you could use quinoa, you could use brown rice. So really thinking through on those like warm, fuzzy, cozy foods. And then if you're not, if you're not looking necessarily for, you know, traditional style, I love to make lasagna because you can do it so many different ways without, having to use, you know, an alternative cheese, you could use some kind of tofu or some kind of cashew unless there's a nut allergy and really thinking about different ways that you can incorporate familiar foods to people. So one of the big things that I found over the course of eight years and loving entertaining is that when you feed people foods that are both familiar to them And with familiar flavors, there tends to be more of an open mind, right? So I don't typically make tofu for my dad because that he's not ready for tofu, but baked potatoes and barbecue beans, you know, when we celebrated Father's Day would be uh, a familiar food for him. So kind of think about things that you could do. Maybe you host a baked potato bar and you make, you know, a bean chili, or you add, you do maybe a taco bar, or you think about different foods that people would enjoy, and then you pull in those familiar flavors. So maybe you roast cauliflower, but you add poultry seasoning, and you toss it in vegetable broth, and or you make a really yummy gravy using um you know a lot of vegetable broth and lots of veggies and you kind of let it let it kind of roast down or simmer down and so the the gravy gets a really deep flavor with like let's say celery and carrots and onions and you know, really tying in the sage and the the thyme and the rosemary that are typically in a lot of those, especially if you're talking like Thanksgiving or rosemary, very popular in a lot of a lot of holiday dishes. So really thinking about ways that you can make maybe a different twist on the foods that you're serving. Um, and then something else is start new traditions. You know, I, I love making cutout cookies with my mom, but it wasn't necessarily the cookie it was the time i spent with her so start to reframe your thoughts around why why you're getting together right of course food is the center of all of our celebrations it always has been and it probably always will be but can you go and spend time with your family member that makes you know the best apple pies and maybe together you make a vegan apple pie maybe you you know you you get in different traditions. You're not asking them to make it just for you. You're actually going and volunteering to help make it so that they can learn alongside you.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. New traditions for sure. And and you're right, including others maybe so that they um, learn a little bit too. I've definitely done a lasagna that was dairy free, and everyone really liked it. It um, I I did use like a marinated tofu. I marinated a tofu, um, and then kind of made that into like a ricotta. So that's that's Mm -hmm. been uh, quite a a fan favorite, I guess I will say of what I've made. Um, I do note that you mentioned about. Yeah, it can be a little tricky with gluten sensitivities. There are like a couple of things that, you know, are typically vegan, but they do have um, gluten. And then also the mention of cashews. Like my daughter does have a nut allergy. So that's always something I have to watch in some of the recipes um, because she also has an egg allergy. And so I do rely a lot on vegan recipes for baking, but I always have to be you know, watching out for like, oh, is this one replacing a nut like with a nut like a cashew? Because there are a lot of sauces and things like that where, um, and desserts where I've seen um, soaking cashews and things like that. So um, that's a really good point to bring up for people that have the allergies. Have you read my novel Pendulum by S.E. German yet? If not, what are you waiting for? And if you have, I would love to hear from you. If you don't know about Pendulum, it's a heartwarming story about a young boy who starts to experience neuropsychiatric symptoms after an infection. We follow the boy as he goes through many regular, real middle grade issues like moving, having a crush, playing sports also while experiencing neuropsychiatric symptoms like anxiety, OCD, tics, panic attacks, and more. If you're interested in checking out Pendulum by S.E. German, it is available through Amazon Worldwide, where you can even see a preview of the book, or you can listen to chapter one, which is on episode 64 of the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. I hope you enjoy the novel, and thanks for your support. One of the last things I wanted to just chat about before we kind of wrap up is I know a lot of times veganism can come from our kids or maybe even our teens. So, you know, they get inspired by something at school or a friend or something they've seen on TV. And all of a sudden they're really interested in transitioning to, you know, being vegan. And I actually had this happen myself. My daughter kind of came home and she was really like, I really want to be a vegan. I really want to move away from eating meat. Um, And was looking kind of for me to do that straight away for her. And I know parents, you know, you want to be encouraging, you want to be helpful, you know, for these children or teens that are looking to um, explore new ways of eating. I wondered if you had any advice for parents in terms of helping children or teens to transition, um, but also still feeling included because there can be, um that challenge where then, okay, you know, they're going to a birthday party and things like that, where, you know, they might be served pizza that's got cheese and and stuff. And so it's, it's not without its challenges, but I just wondered if you had any advice for parents in that regard.
1: Absolutely. And I love this question from being a former school teacher. I really, you know, this really speaks to my heart too, because, you know, kids, kids are naturally inquisitive, right? And so we don't obviously want to crush their their desire to make this transition, but I can tell you I lived on Mountain Dew and Doritos as a teenager and you know, both of those things would be vegan. And I wouldn't I wouldn't want that for other children because there's just so there's so many vegan options out there now that can really set them on a path toward a lot of junk food, you know, Doritos, Oreos, a lot of these foods that we can easily find in places are vegan. And, you know, kids, especially if they're not eating necessarily the foods that you're serving at home and they are getting the cheeseless pizzas or, you know, the easy option might be to grab the garden chicken nuggets. And that's not that's not to say that those aren't, you know, good alternatives in a pinch, but really helping them transition to a, a a vegan, a vegan lifestyle and, you know, looking at ways that they can try new foods to them and not just pick the vegan version of, you know, the, processed foods that they might already be eating. So maybe it's it maybe it is using the daily dozen and saying, Okay, I'm all for you going, you know, you going vegan, I'd love this, this is great. Um, one of the things that I I know to be true about eating vegan is that they do eat a lot more of these whole vegetable style foods. So what can we add in? And maybe that's where you start, like, again, taking that audit and looking at what they're already eating that that would be vegan. And, you know, if they love broccoli, how can we make that broccoli be more of a center of the meal instead of a side dish alongside, you know, some vegan processed foods? Because I I do know that I've had, you know, some people will come to me and say, my kids, my, you know, my teenager wants to eat vegan. And, you know, I'm fine cooking spaghetti with meat sauce for my family. Um, What do I feed? What do I feed my, you know, my teenager? And so they'll be like, well, I can just grab the the processed whatever, the processed chicken nuggets. And so while the family's eating, you know, I I would not say that ground beef, I mean, it's a whole food, right? It came from an animal. So the family's eating this whole food, the sauce, the pasta, and then the, the vegan is eating the convenient food because that was the easiest thing to heat up. Or they're eating more of the, you know, the processed things out of a box. So how can we encourage them to eat more whole plant foods, but also not feel weird at school when they're eating like a hummus sandwich. Like what can we do to make things kind of look the same and not necessarily the same, but more, more in line with what everybody else is eating. So maybe that's, you know, making pita pizzas that they can take and they can put together. Um, They can do um, you know, maybe they, you work with the school to have I know when I had students with allergies, they had a like frozen dessert that was in the freezer. And if a student brought in, you know, cupcakes for a birthday, this person would go get the freeze the frozen desserts out of the, you know, the school freezer or wherever they were kept. Um, I think in the nurse's office. And so really like working with the school to help provide that or making, you know, if you know that a party's coming up for school, making a a vegan option or sending them with a vegan dessert that they can enjoy as well so that they don't feel left out at a party or they don't feel like everybody goes to the football game on Friday night and everybody's at the at the concession stand eating the pizza and they don't have anything to eat right so how can we teach them you know ways that they can either order food or um, take food with them that's going to support the way that they want to eat because it can be hard and it can be very ostracizing. But if it's in line with your values, how do we, you know, how do we teach them to stand in that conviction and really, you know, feel comfortable and confident. And I think with that, it just comes the education and the support on knowing that the choices that they're making align with their values and having options that work in those situations. And that's really That's really the advice for anybody, right? Knowing what your response is in certain situations. You go to a business lunch and everybody's ordering, you know, the steak or the roast beef sandwich. What do you get? Do you just order a salad? Do you ask the hostess or the waitress if they have a vegan option? Or do you just sit there and say, I'll just get the salad? I mean, it's really our, you know, what is your response? And then teaching our kids how to have a similar response.
0: I do totally agree that, um... That can be a real challenge in t- terms of food allergies as well, that you know, you can kind of feel ostracized at times. And you're right, like having that preparation does help for sure. Um, and I think that there is definitely, I like this idea of using the daily dozen to kind of help the child ground in terms of like, the nutrients and things like that, that they can get, um, to make sure that, you know, they're still getting, um, healthy food. And it's not, as you say, the Mountain Dew and the, the Doritos or something like that, that they're going and it's vegan and it's fine. Um, so yeah, that sounds great. So I'm sure listeners are going to want to find out more about you, your books, um, where are the best places to do that either online or on social media? A- absolutely. I would, I would love to
1: connect with anybody. Let me know that you found me via the Slay Your Beasts podcast. I'd love to know. Uh, I'm super active on Instagram at VegInspired. And um, and it's easy. Just at VegInspired is, is my Instagram handle. And then all of my books can be found on my website, which is VegInspired.com. So those are the best places to connect. Let me know that that's how you found me. I love to be social on social. So don't hesitate to reach out. And I'm
0: excited to connect and be a resource. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time, Kathy. This I can say this podcast made me the hungriest of all of the ones that I've done. I think everything sounded so delicious. And uh, your recipes sound great. and, And I think this extra information about how to transition to a vegan lifestyle will be so helpful to many listeners.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I really appreciate it. And I'm just grateful that I got to share my story and help inspire people to eat more plants. Great. Thanks.
0: Thank you so much to Kathy Davis for the interview today. I loved talking with her about all of the beautiful recipes that she's been developing. And I can honestly say that this interview has made me the hungriest that I have ever been in podcasting. I really am excited to try out some of her ideas, especially about using quinoa and chili. I think that sounded really good Um, as well as incorporating more vegetables just generally wherever we can into my family's repertoire in terms of food. As Kathy mentioned, if you want to find out more about her, you can do that on Instagram. It's at the Veg inspired, V-E-G-I-N-S-P-I-R-E-D, and also her website, VegInspired.com. Thanks very much for listening and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Please keep in mind, this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can follow me on social media, Instagram and TikTok, at Sarah Lady gluten, or Facebook, Sarah underscore gluten lady. You can also visit my website, which includes author information, speaking information, and more info on the podcast at www.se-german.com. If you like the podcast, please feel free to review the podcast on your favorite platform and also subscribe because it means that it will show up for you every week on your favorite podcast platform. Also, we've just started to have the ability to support the podcast. You can find this link in my Instagram bio or visit ko-fi.com slash learning to slay the beasts. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.